legislative bodies getting back at work across the country. What's that mean for our kids in the classroom? A candid conversation with a longtime Minnesota State Representative coming up. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. Budgets, teacher shortages, and school resource officers, SROs as they're known, we're talking about the state of affairs at many state capitals. Want to say good day to everyone and thank you for joining us. We're going to get to those stories and more here in a moment. But first, I want to welcome you into Educate. We're a pretty new show, all things considered, here each week to take a deep dive into education. We're also showing you ways to get involved in your child's classroom, to use your voice, to be educated yourself, but then also how best to use that education, that information, as we dissect the central issues of education, providing criticism and positive solutions to problems here on Educate. My name is Liz Collin. I'll be your host here for the next hour. I am a mom, so I get get it. Uh, I'm in it with you. I'm also a Minnesota-based journalist working for a place called Alpha News. Follow along as we expose what you won't see on the nightly news, especially here in Minnesota, at alphanews.org. But this show is brought to you by The New American. Be sure to know more and do more. Okay, so it's that time of year. Legislators head back to work in many states. So before we get into the education piece of things, just to set the scene, uh, a story here from NBC News, the five issues and trends experts expect states to tackle in 2024. Here we go again. From abortion rights to artificial intelligence, we've talked about that on this show, to workforce shortages, states will immediately dive into a host of major policy issues in the new year. This uh, story here by Adam Edelman from NBC News it says 2024 will be a monumental presidential election year. Of course, all eyes uh, on November of 2024 already. But when it comes to policy, it will be state governments that see the most action over the next 12 months. When state legislatures kick off their fresh sessions in the coming weeks, 37 will go into session in January. Another nine will follow in February. That's what we're talking about today in Minnesota. They head back soon here in February. Lawmakers will immediately dive into a host of big policy issues. Some of those areas, like how to tackle artificial intelligence and deep fakes, will be relatively new. For others, like how state governments can best deal with major workforce shortages, legislators will be picking up where they left off this last year. So uh, the big issues NBC News is talking about abortion rights. Here we go again, as I said. Uh, Abortion rights organizers attempting to place measures on the November ballot not lawmakers who are taking the lead. So abortion rights has been a political boon for Democrats, this story reads, since the U.S. Supreme Court, of course, overturned Roe v. Wade. But those successes have only occasionally taken the form of state legislation. AI and deepfakes being uh, another one to watch, workforce shortages, uh, also immigration. Uh, you see that playing off, playing of course, uh, across the, the country, not only on the, the southern border. We've done many stories here on the northern border as well. Immigration, something to watch at the state legislatures and growing tensions. This says not many state political observers saw the historic spike in expulsions, impeachment threats and punitive bills enacted by the party in power targeting members of the opposition coming in 2023, but they do in 2024. Uh, so more to come on those issues. And so turning our attention uh, then to education, the top education issues state battled, state lawmakers battled uh, over this last year, looking back to 2023 before we look ahead to 2024. I know in Minnesota, they're going to try to correct, <laughs> it seems, some of the, the work that was done by uh, a Democratic majority in, in Minnesota. 
This says uh, Democrats and Republicans went head to head on education policy in state legislatures this year, with each side pulling out both wins and losses as many state houses close their legislative sessions back in 2023. The heart of much of the fighting lay in culture war issues led by Republicans, of course, right? Uh, from how lessons about race and gender should be taught to white what type of books students should be allowed to read. So they're saying that the big issues were school choice, uh, some of those culture war issues, LGBTQ issues. Uh, of course, remember this uh, story is from The Hill. Uh, DEI efforts, we'll be talking about that coming up, and teaching race in, in colleges. I know an ongoing conversation we have here, library books, free school meals, uh, and other matters. So yeah, for this show today, I wanted to get someone who has who has sort of been there battling these conversations uh, for some time now, and that's a longtime uh, state representative you'll hear from here in Minnesota, has served more than a decade in, in St. Paul at, at the Capitol. And really, when it comes to this education piece, I thought he'd be perfect. He's a longtime um, educator himself. He's still an aviator, uh, teaching aviation, I should say, an aviator uh, educator, uh, and speaks to how he's noticed some some changes in, in kids and uh, learning, et cetera. So I think an interesting conversation here here. But he says uh, across the country, uh, also, I wanted to, to talk about what, what is in store as these uh, 37 legislative bodies uh, head back to work. Uh, and some articles point to budget battles, of course, that happens each and every year, DEI bans, tuition caps, legacy admissions, accreditation challenges, and campus free speech, uh, as we've seen everything that has happened after the atrocities that have played out on October 7th. They're all likely to take the spotlight in one or more state legislatures, according to this story. And uh, we expect those to be playing a role in Minnesota as well. I thought this story from Education Week summarized things nicely, talking about how politicians and lawmakers use 2023 to set the course for 2024 a presidential election year, and when voters will most likely choose between President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. For education policy, that meant more attention to conservative parents' rights bills that often seek to limit how schools can teach about race, gender, identity, and sexuality, and a push for raising teacher pay and improving student mental health. The article goes on to say those topics will likely be at the forefront of education policy debates in 2024, too, especially in state houses and on local school boards. But education will likely not play a major role in the 2024 election, as issues such as the economy, immigration, health care and wars in the Middle East and Ukraine take precedence with voters. Even so, 2024 will likely bring legislative changes that will affect schools in significant ways, and the year will see some hot topics begin to cool off. So here are five issues they say educators will need to pay close attention to in the year ahead. Private school choice to dominate legislative agendas again. A little bit more about that uh, from Education Week. More attention to raising teacher pay. I know a conversation uh, that, that's happening in, in Minnesota uh, and many other states as well. Big questions and policy changes over AI uh, to continue. That seems to be a theme. Less attention on curriculum and policies related to gender identity, sexuality, and race, uh, Education Week says. And rethinking measures of, of student success. This says over the past year, state education leaders have taken steps to redefine what it means to be a successful graduate. At least 17 states have adopted a portrait or profile of a graduate, a guiding document to define what characteristics or competencies make a successful student as they leave high school. In some states, the portraits have led to a more robust restructuring of the public education system. This article reads, 
It goes on to say this year, Wyoming became the final state to adopt a law for competency-based learning in which student progress is evaluated based on mastery of a subject rather than the amount of time a student spends in class. The state will be starting a pilot project to see if it would be possible to shift its education system to a competency model. Other states have looked to challenge standardized testing practices. In August, Montana received a rare federal waiver to pilot a through-year testing model. And in Missouri, the state education department has given waivers to 20 districts to pilot through-year testing. So I think some interesting things uh, on the horizon. For more on that story, head to Education Week. So we have the conversation coming up with a longtime Minnesota state legislator. So we hope you'll stay tuned for that. This show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. Hey, Americans, how tired are you of mainstream media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But The New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years, a beacon of liberty and defender of the Constitution. This is your opportunity to receive principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep every two weeks, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's new mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to educate listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash educate25. Oh, honey, it's great protein. Don't be picky. Eat your crickets. Many are following the lead of the United Nations to replace your meat diet with an insect diet. It's an all-out war on meat, farmers and ranchers. Don't let new green policies place controls on your life and overall freedoms. It's time to get us out of the UN. Go to JBS.org or call 800-JBS-USA-1. Welcome back to Educate. I'm Liz Collin. As we were discussing in the top of the show, uh, talking a bit about legislative bodies getting back at work all across the country, and the Minnesota legislature is among them. That is where I am based. Many states are facing, it seems, similar issues when it comes to education. I will say I'm a bit biased, though. Minnesota seems to be a little bit crazier uh, on on that end. Um, That is my bias living here. Crazy might actually be a nice word for for what's gone on, at least after what what we saw in uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. That's uh, the the capital last session. But Representative Ron Cresha, a Republican from Little Falls, Minnesota, was kind enough to join me this week on Educate to talk about the work that's ahead when it comes to education. But I first want to thank you, Representative Cresha, for, for, for speaking out and uh, being our guest on Educate this week. You are welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, and um, to set the scene a little bit, uh, your background, I think, plays a, plays a role here. Talk, talk about that, how long you were a teacher. You're an educator, so, so I think you get this uh, uh, real well. Uh, talk about your experience uh, on that subject, um, and then, you know, kind of what, 
brought you to the Capitol in the first place? So my background uh, spans all the way back to the early 90s when in 93, I received my teaching degree in um, English literature with a minor in aviation. And I started uh, working in high schools and junior highs, teaching English and then aviation in the summer. And from there, I transitioned to technology. Uh, in the early 90s, we were hooking up schools with the internet. And then I moved from technology into curriculum and then administration. At one point, I was looking to be a principal and a superintendent. In fact, I was one course away and I said, it's not for me. And then I left education. I start. I, I co-founded an education company with a other group of educators. And then I left that company in 2008 and started an economic development. So I've always been involved with education, economic development, and communities. Uh, those are my passions. And you, I know, have been serving uh, the Minnesota House of Representatives. Is it uh, 2013 since then? That's correct. Uh, 2013 was the first session that I, I began and as a scene setter also, uh, talk about the, the difference you've seen, maybe even just in, in last session uh, here in Minnesota, compared to legislative sessions from, from the past, uh, not just on an education level, but, uh, you know, it, it does seem that, that what made headlines, you know, abortion, voting rights for felons, driver's license for those here illegally, legalizing marijuana. Of course, we had uh, gender-affirming care, uh, paid for, it seems, by, by tax, da- taxpayers, but um, just just talk about that. Had you ever seen a session uh, like the last session in, in St. Paul? I saw hints of this session in 2013 when I was first elected. At that point, Governor Dayton had the uh, governor's office and the Democrats with Speaker Paul Thiessen. And then in the Senate, it was uh, Tom Bach. But the difference was, while there was certainly an appetite by my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, and the Democrat majority to do a lot of things. Uh, They had a more moderate Senate Democrats, especially under the leadership of Tom Bach. And they were more focused on, or they were able to hold back a lot of the crazy policy that was coming out of the House into more financial and tax incentives um, that really were better for Minnesotans. So there were still crazy things going on and and we could see that they wanted to go far and wide but there was a moderate senate and there was more of an appetite to work with us as well as republicans and then now we've seen that um the democrats that are in charge now have learned from that and i think under speaker hortman they just realize they have to do everything they can because at some point they won't be out of the majority and or they won't be in the majority and they will want things in a permanent um, situation that are hard to unwind. Again, you're listening to Educate, having a conversation with Representative Ron Cresha, a Republican from Little Falls, Minnesota. Yeah, as you're pointing out, uh, you have the, the DFL uh, in control, of both the House and Senate for the first time in in eight years uh, here in in Minnesota, and I want to I want to switch gears here um, after getting some of the, some of the background. When it comes to to education, I first want to talk about uh, this school resource officer situation SROs. So we have a new state law that restricts the types of restraints that can be used on students who are acting uh, illegally. We'll we'll just say. Uh, but so we have Governor Tim Walz, his DFL allies. Uh, they have. They came out um, a few months ago, said they won't call a special session to address these these new laws impacting school resource officer 
officers. And then you had uh, many uh, still to this day who who are not in Minnesota schools as a result of this. Um, and I know you called this a, a crisis uh, this this past fall. Just give us some background on the issue and then moving forward, um, you, you know, how you see this thing playing out in, in this uh, new session. So let's let's just begin with the heart of a school resource officer. That individual is there to build relationships, uh, work with kids that may be struggling for a multitude of issues. Kids go through lots of conflict in their lives, as simple as, you know, just conflict with classmates to maybe things that are happening at home. And the idea behind a school resource officer was really a liaison, an individual there to build those relationships, to build that trust, to help these kids. Now, what we're seeing is uh, because of the larger issues in law enforcement, um, you know, certainly the um, the Chauvin case, and as we continue to see all of, you know, we're, we're dealing with a, an individual now, a state patrol who's on trial for a traffic stop. Those issues have become divisive and they become election issues. And that has now pushed down into all law enforcement um, according to the other side, must be horrible, and therefore school resource officers are not good. And that's just not right. Uh, what we've done is we've now put teachers at risk because we forget that teachers end up in the middle of these fights. I was in many of them uh, in, during my tenure. You see students that once a situation escalates, you need a law enforcement officer there who can um, use the, the full force of the law and use the means they have. And I think what we're seeing now is the school fights that are cropping up and we're pointing to the, the need for state uh, our school resource officers, but we're forgetting behind the scenes of all that, we still have kids that are struggling every day with conflict that those resource officers can be a, uh, a resource for. And so we're very misguided on this. We're using uh, an election issue to put kids at harm, put teachers at harm. And frankly, schools just aren't you know, they should be a safe place. They should be a safe place of education and learning. And in many cases, that's not the case. Well, I have a few more questions when it comes to the SRO issue we'll get into um, after this break. But again, you're listening to Representative Ron Cresha. He is a Republican out of Little Falls, Minnesota, as we discuss uh, this legislative session uh, new here in, in 2024. A reminder that this show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. This is Educate with Liz Collin. And we'll be right back. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. But what does it mean for us in today's world? Is it even relevant? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders preparing for a worst-case scenario firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today.
Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today. Welcome back to Educate. This is Liz Collin as we have our ongoing conversation here with Representative Ron Cresha. He is a Republican from Little Falls, Minnesota. I think he probably thought he has seen it all uh, in his years in the legislature, uh, been a, a part of it since since 2013. But we're talking about this SRO issue. I bet even in backing up a, a decade, sir, you probably can't even, couldn't even imagine that we're, we're pulling cops out of, out of schools now. <laughs> no, absolutely not. In fact, my first experience with a school resource officer was actually at Onamium, Minnesota, where um, we had lots of interesting factions. We had kids coming up, 169, who were leaving schools and were gang-related. And then they were um, running into conflict with the Native American students, as well as some of the Eastern Morrison County students. And that was a really ripe situation where I, I was able to see firsthand what violence can really look like in the schools um you know when you get transient students that are being forced out of schools and finding new schools they really become volatile and there was many many times when the sheriff deputy would have to come into a classroom um, they would have to um, subdue the kid and remove the kids for the safety of the teacher in the classrooms because once the conflict gets to a certain point in escalation that you're just not talking that uh that male or female student down they just have to get through that conflict and it can be very very dangerous yeah and we've um already covered uh, at alpha news many a story uh, this school year horrific fights i don't really know how else to describe them but between students uh Mankato, I mean, you name the district. Gosh, even recently, uh, St. Louis Park, where adults uh, were in the school, parents uh, were fighting and, and criminally criminally charged. So, so talk about the the work ahead. Do you see this issue um, being being resolved this this session? I don't know. I, I mean, I think the first thing that should happen within the first week there should be a bill. There should be a bill on the governor's desk simply repealing what was done. If you go back to the issue, there was zero cases in Minnesota where school resource officers were doing the things that they were trying to prohibit. Some of the the restraints and the and the hold bars. The fact of the matter is, our law enforcement is highly trained. They know what to do and how to de-escalate these situations. So. Anything but repealing this within the first week would just be an egregious waste of our time, frankly, because in the legislature, they try to nibble around the edge and try to make everybody happy, but we're forgetting the safety of the students needs to be front and center. So I, I'm I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic that's where we're going to get to. Yeah, something we'll, we'll continue to track uh for sure. I wanted to talk um, teacher standards. That was something um, that got a lot of a attention last year. Again, as we continue our conversation with uh, Representative Ron Cresha, headed to uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, again, for a new legislative session. Um, 
you know, you you have the these teacher standards simultaneously. You have a teacher shortage in Minnesota that's been highly publicized. I think 4,500 uh, teachers lost from 2021 to 2022 alone. Uh, the Education Minnesota group even said nine out of 10 districts in the state are facing uh, shortfalls. Um, just talk about sort of the, those those competing issues. In fact, I've just recently done an interview with someone who says they're they're leaving the, the state of Minnesota as a longtime educator due to these these standards. How do you see um, I, it's likely too late as this obviously has moved its way through the courts with with these new new updates. But but give us a little insight into that. So the first thing I'll say is every Every teacher that I've taught with and stood side by side in the schools, the classroom, they're they're professionals. When we look at the the teachers that I've known and have come to the schools, mostly they want to work with kids. They want to pass on the knowledge in their subject area, and they want to help develop those kids, whether it could be academically, um, athletically, or in the arts. I I have the utmost respect for for the teachers that I have worked with. Now. What we are seeing is the legislature continues to put more and more mandates on these teachers. And we are seeing a different type of teacher in many cases that want to be more about activism and social issues and political issues. When honestly, the teachers, if you go all the way back to even William Bennett, who was the education secretary under Ronald Reagan and his, you know, his work in the crisis of education at that time, Pointing to the fact that standards, academic excellence, and giving the ability uh, to teach a student how to think is far more important than the other side of simply trying to cultivate a, a social awareness or a social agenda. The reality is allow these kids to think, allow them to reach their potential, and then they will use those skills to find out where they fit in life and how they can be successful. I think we have it backwards in a lot of classrooms, and I think there's a lot of teachers that come into a classroom many, many times believing they have to change a culture of a student. When let's just start with where the student is first, let's get them to a point of academic success, and that is the most important role that our schools can play. Um, we, you know, we have the social studies standards right now that are so misguided and there's so much about imparting this new history or this new cultural awareness when we just need to really, really bring our students to a point of academic success. And every student I've worked with, every single one, 100 percent, they can rise to the challenges that are put in front of them. They may not all reach the same level. But if given the chance to succeed and if given the chance to reach new heights of academic success, everyone I've worked with hits those marks when their expectations are in front of them. And that's what I wish we could do. Less of the mandates, less of the regulations. Let the teachers do what they do best, which is challenge our students to reach new heights and potential academically and, you know, arts and athletics. Develop the kid. But. I, I don't see that a lot um, coming out of the legislature right now. We and and even the Department of Education or the Department of Education and the schools, the universities are really about teaching these activist teachers. That just doesn't work. That that does not help the the generation that we need coming forward. Um, that's really going to be leaders. 
Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, Representative Krisha, a bit, a bit about this story that I, that I recently did. This is, a again, a longtime uh, high school science teacher from Minnesota who's now being told that there are more than two genders as a science teacher. This is what he has to talk about um, to his class. And, and he says, you know, morally and ethically, he just doesn't feel comfortable doing it. And so it's why he applied to, to many jobs and landed one in uh, North Dakota. So he's re- relocating his family. He's not that far away from retirement. Um, but he felt that he just couldn't lie to his students. And it was very sad to even hear him talk about talk about this, that this is where we are in, in education. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. You know that there are things that we can argue about, but facts aren't one of them. And when you look at just, you know, science is about testing hypotheses. Look at the biology. Look at this, uh, you know, look at the makeup, the DNA, all of that. Make your own determinations on that. But that should not come from the teacher. The teacher's job is to teach the facts and the science behind it and not start to impart all the other uh, things. That's what we, you know, we're thinking for kids and we shouldn't be doing that. I, I want to talk in our in our next segment a bit, bit more um, just about uh, the budget. I know you guys passed a, a big budget last year when it comes to education. I think 20, just, you know, $23 billion. Is that, is that right? I just uh, make it, make sure I get the, the those numbers right. And talking, talking a bit more about where that money will go. It was a more than 10% increase uh, over the base uh, spending and, and quite interesting how the DFL was able to, to funnel this money in, in certain ways. So I wanted to get your insight uh, on that. And then where we are just sort of overall with student performance to talk a bit more about that. But again, you're listening to Educate. I'm Liz Collin, joined by Representative Ron Cresha this week, a Republican from Little Falls, Minnesota, as we preview the upcoming legislative session in Minnesota. The show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com. And for more on the show, head to thenewamerican.com slash educate. The New American Magazine powers The Educate Show, featuring in-depth articles and news analysis, culture, and politics. The New American can arrive on your doorstep bi-weekly in a beautifully published physical copy or digitally on their new mobile app. Bring yourself up to speed with intelligent coverage from a constitutional perspective. Now, for a limited time, visit thenewamerican.com slash educate25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash educate25. Have you ever heard someone say, the system's broken? Sure you have. Well, it's not true. America's founders created a brilliant governing system that prevents us from having kings, queens, dictators, and even czars. We the people can replace every elected official in a span of six years if we so choose. Here at the John Birch Society, we believe the only way to liberty, prosperity, and national sovereignty is not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adheres to them. The reason we have a ballooning, reckless, and corrupt government is because elected officials aren't following the Constitution. The John Birch Society is principled, coordinated, effective activism. We believe the Constitution is the solution. Join JBS and change America. Visit JBS.org or call 1-800-JBS-USA1 to get involved. That's JBS.org. Welcome back to Educate. 
My guest this week is Representative Ron Creshaw, guy fighting the good fight in, in Minnesota, a Republican from Little Falls, Minnesota. He has been in the, the state legislature now since 2013. We talked a bit about the school resource officer issue, a teacher shortage, teacher standards. And I want to get into uh, the budget. Everybody loves talking about the budget um, at, at the Capitol for sure. So so money talk. Talk, talk just a bit, uh, sir, if you could. Uh, about this huge uh, deal from last year, and I, I know the Republicans were pretty vocal about some some problems as to where this this money uh, was was going. But give us a, a bit of background on the, on this topic. Yeah, thanks for that opportunity, Liz. So um, the money about the amount, as I call it, the sermon on the amount. Um, we certainly, in our caucus, wanted to see a robust education budget. We're very pro education. We're very pro teachers um, and with the teacher shortage, making sure that there are higher wages and competitive wages. Where the differences came was the DFL budget carved that money out and put it into earmarks. Um, we saw the earmarks for the school lunches that they had to pay for all those school lunches. So there was no um, no obligation to pay for, for students. And then they did the earmark for female products. Um, they did an earmark for paying um, seasonal employees that you know would work from August to then come around in the, the uh, next May and then get unemployment. They could apply for unemployment during those three months. And then there was a, a general education budget and then a lot more earmarks. The problem is we wanted to allocate the money in what we call onto the formula to give a 5% increase and a 5% increase and then allocate that to the schools and allow them to look at their own local challenges and improvements and make their own choice about the budget. So for example, rather than St. Paul telling them, hey, you have to pay for all the lunches, we could have we would have sent the money and said, hey, if you think that's the right thing to do for your school district, then you can help pay for those lunch programs and so forth. Because, I mean, let's just start with the lunch program first. It sounds great, right? All the kids get to eat for free. But the reality is the students that were struggling or that may fall below the poverty were already paid for. There was free and reduced dollars. They have free meals. So essentially what we did was we took um, the obligation to pay for lunch off of parents like me who I'm happy to pay for my kids' lunch. Um, you know, that that's a local use tax that if my kids are going to eat at school, then great, I'll pay for your lunch, just like if you're going to go to a restaurant or whatever. But what we've done is we've taken that obligation off of very wealthy schools, such as, you know, yeah. I just won't even name them because we always get in that. But we have an idea. There are parents that can afford to pay for this, and they should have. That, that was just ridiculous. It didn't help anything. And then... What we've done by earmarking this is we've tied the hands of superintendents and school boards. And, and remember, school boards are the local elected officials who are there to run their own schools. We've tied their hands and said, no, 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 you can't be creative about how to use this dollar amount. You have to use what we tell you to use it on. If they wanted to put together a new learning lab or if they wanted to put together a new program on career and technical education, maybe VOTEC. We tied their hands on that. And, and that's wrong. Um, I believe communities are in charge of their own schools. That's why they have school boards. That's why they hire superintendents. And those communities should decide how they want their kids to be educated and the level of academic success that they demand. 
we at the legislature should not be setting those types of budgetary restraints. That just makes no sense. St. Paul legislators do not know what's best for these small rural schools all around the state. We should set a budget. We should make there, make sure that it meets the fair needs of, of all the students academically on a per pupil amount, and then give them the ability to manage that budget on their own. Um, it's just, it, it's an intrusion of these school boards and the job that they're being asked to do. So again, you have this $23.2 billion um, budget in, in the end. And then you also, you know, you have these studies that show how much more funding has increased and how little it's done for, for student performance. It's kind of, uh, you know, working in yeah. the in the opposite direction. I know you proposed this delete all amendment uh, last session. Talk, talk about uh, that. So our delete all amendment was to remove the many, many mandates and just to give a five and five increase in the budget. So basically to send a dollar amount and let the schools then decide how to use that. Um, so when we did a delete all, we were and we had counted like 60 some mandates. And my colleagues on the other side will say, yeah, they're mandates and we paid for them. But the reality is an ongoing mandate is still an ongoing liability and obligation. So you may have paid for that now, but down the road, all of those mandates continue to grow and they become big liabilities in the school budgets. Um, and so we we wanted to give more financial power to the local schools and my colleagues across the aisle said no 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 we're going to tell you how to do this we're going to send you the money but you have to do it this way in a very prescriptive way and i i just i completely think that you know one of the questions i asked was who don't you trust which superintendent which school board don't you trust to put the best school program for their community and nobody could ever answer that because they all are in favor of their local schools right every member that comes down there talks highly of their local schools so i would ask them well then why won't you give them permission why won't you give them the tools why do you have to do it for them and you know the belief is well uh, we have to do this because really we don't trust that they're going to do these things. And I think that's a very, very unsatisfactory way to do a budget. With our last uh, few minutes together, together here, Representative Kresha, talk about um, you know, what advice do you give uh, to, to parents, especially about you know, the best way to, to get involved with their with their kids school, with with their kids education? So, uh, you know, this even goes all the way back to my days in the classroom. Uh, start with the obvious, right? Get involved. Get to know your teachers. Talk to the teachers. Go to the student um, conferences and understand what the teachers are trying to do so you can be part of that. One of the things that we know in education um, theory and you start to look at the research is anytime you have adults that are involved with their students' education, that student will do better, that student will perform better. Um, and I put this on us a lot of times. Um, when people come to me and they say, can you believe I just heard this was happening in the schools? And my response to them is, well, why didn't you know about it? You know, call that teacher. If you have a teacher that is doing things that you have questions about, find out what's going on. It should not be a combative relationship. So there's that. And then run for school board. Go to the school board meetings. Talk to the superintendents. Um, I think too often we like to build a wall and throw grenades at each other when if we would just build a door instead and walk through the door 
and talk to the superintendent. Why are you doing this? Find out why a lot of these situations could be rectified, diffused. And I think we'd have more powerful um, voices and we would have schools that are, um, you know, really ready to come down to the legislature and act, um, advocate for their needs. But right now, we seem to want to be building these divides, and the let and the the Democrat legislators are are increasing that divide. They're encouraging that divide because they really want to set this world up where the teachers are um, in their own little separate world, and they're against the parents, and the parents are against um, the kids making these decisions, or the administration is against. It doesn't have to be everybody against. It should be about really helping the students achieve their potential. Um, so we have to break down those walls. We have to break down those uh, divisions. And I, I think that would be way more beneficial for us. Yeah, well well said. Um, and just, uh, you know, in, in about a minute or so, what gives you hope then for the for the future of, of education in, in Minnesota? I think if we would get back to some of the things that we know work, for example, um, I, I have five kids. I love them all to death. But you know what? They're not all developed at the same. They didn't all develop the same way. And they needed guidance. They needed mentorship. They needed adults that could point them in the right direction and sometimes give them boundaries and say, don't do this. Um, I think too often we think that those boundaries shouldn't exist for students and that they should just be able to, you know, explore any and everything. And the reality is um, they're not there yet. Um, we need to have more respect for adults. We need to have more respect for the teacher that can set boundaries for a student and, and failure. Let the students fail. My goodness, I teach um, right now I'm an aviation instructor. I teach flight instruction. And believe it or not, we have to let the pilots fail. Um, we have to let these student pilots have bad landings. We have to let them find out what failure looks like so that they can then find success. And if we're too afraid to let failure happen, um, these students just aren't going to reach the potential. So I think there's a lot of just getting back to basics, setting some expectations, putting some standards out there that would go a long way versus mandating all of these incredibly onerous, um, crazy social agendas. Well, thank you, Representative Ron Kresha from Little Falls, Minnesota. We appreciate all, all of the time you spent with us. This show is brought to you by The New American. For more, visit thenewamerican.com.